Welcome to the Winner Circle with Derek Pang. On this podcast, I'll be introducing you to real-world heroes who have stepped outside their safe, known worlds to pursue and live their win, their best lives. This is a choice we all get to make. The intention behind these conversations is to inspire you to move forward with greater faith, trust, and belief in yourself on your hero's journey ahead. Let's go, hero. All right, we are live, and I'm very excited to have on today's guest. I've been wanting to have him on for a while, and he is here today, now. And today, I interview a glassblower, a yoga instructor, a holy fire Reiki master, fitness coach, and an artist. Welcome to the winner circle, Jimmy Bennett. Thanks for having me, brother. Right on. So before the call, we're just kind of talk about how there's a lot of chaos going on in this world. Um, COVID, Black Lives Matter, all sorts of protests, vaccinations. But I don't really like to talk about that here. There's a lot of negativity with that stuff. This is a very positive, uplifting, inspiring podcast. And so I like to start it off with a really positive question. And that is, Jimmy Bennett, what do you love about your world right now? Man, um, honestly, this is a really good time for me and my world. Um, I'm just been overwhelmed with gratitude lately because I'm literally watching the world unfold in front of me. Like my my biggest dreams, everything that I've like put in writing and put out to the universe as like what I felt was my mission and my purpose and how I can best serve. It's, it looks different than I had imagined, but it's all happening. And I'm learning a lot of surrender in that and trying to settle into that flow and like receiving of the abundance and not trying to force anything, but what I love the most about my life right now is like the mystery of it. And like, I have been so surprised by life lately that it's, uh, it's been a very magical experience. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we're going to get into this very shortly, but you mentioned something about your mission. And I think it's like a great way to introduce uh, our guests, our listeners to, to our guests, and that's to know their mission. And for those listening, our mission uh, encompasses all things that we do, our personal life, our professional life, and everywhere in between. It's our guiding North Star, our guiding light, and it can always be changing. Um, it's evolving, but right here, right now, what is your current mission on this earth plane? I feel like that's a huge statement, but if I was to sum it up into just one word, it would be to inspire, um, to, to create that spark in anyone and in everyone that I meet um, in any way that I can. Um, like I've felt that spark ignited within myself. I've got, I have seen that, you know, you're not necessarily a victim to your circumstance or to your environment. You can be anything you want to be. You can follow your dreams. However cheesy that may sound, I've got, I feel like somehow along the way, I've really gotten to the acceptance and the knowing of that. And I want to share that with everyone because I want everyone to find that same spark that, that points them in their direction where they can come into alignment with like my, what my heart's trajectory is. And I'm on that path. So it's all in alignment. And uh, I think that takes some time to, to find for everyone. And 
to be someone who can just be living proof of that possibility, I think helps inspire and light that spark in others. Mm-hmm. And so how are you inspiring people these days? What does that look like? What's funny is in every opportunity that I have, to be honest with you, it could be as, as immense as a one-on-one private um, mushroom therapy session where I'm holding space for someone and we're going deep into the medicine, into their trauma, into their psyche, to the simple, just having a short conversation with someone at the, at the store about their life and just acknowledging another human for a moment, a complete stranger, like neither one of those I think is more valuable than the other. I think all of it is every single opportunity I have to be present. And in that moment, I'm trying to vibrate that high frequency that, you know, that hopefully is, uh, is tapping into this other being in some way. And, uh, not to get too crazy metaphysical, but that's definitely like, I, I think the opportunity to inspire and to like be, be what I want to be in this world is, is always there in any moment. Mm-hmm. And you're doing it. And this podcast is called welcome to the winner circle, because it's in my belief, anyone could be a winner. And to me, a winner is someone that embraces the process rather than being destination oriented. Um, I feel like in society today, a lot of people are always concerned about the destination. When I get this job, this house, this relationship, this whatever, I'll be happy. And then they get there and maybe there's momentarily happiness in this. Now what? Because they're missing the whole point of this ride. And that's to enjoy the sweetness of the path, the journey, the pro the progress over destination. What does going for your win mean to you, Jimmy? And what does winning look like for you in your life right now? I think going for the win for me more recently has always been like leaning into fear for me is going and is going for the win because for me, um, when fear comes up, hesitation, that's like the, the flash of like, Hey, um, you got to look at that. Like, Oh, I'm afraid of that. And I'm just not ready for that. And just move on. It's like, no, the moment you have that sensation, it's like, oh, what is that? I want to lean into that. And um, I've really been doing that, leaning into my fears, you know, uh, and it can, like I said, it's super diverse, like a fear of like heights. So I've been trying to climb and push myself to bigger heights, but also um, like a fear of commitment, you know, so I'm like committing to projects and like, it's so many subtleties, but all those things that you hesitate to do or is an opportunity to like, to grow, to go for that win. Every fear that's overcome or even tapped into, like you're putting yourself in, in discomfort. Not a lot of people are doing that, but in doing that, that's where the growth is. So like, yeah, really leaning into fear, I feel like is what going for the win looks like for me right now. It's almost easier that way. It's like, I can see it. it's a clear trajectory. Like, oh, I'm afraid to do that. I should, mm-hmm. I should probably give it a shot. <laughs> um, Absolutely. I think winning as a whole for me looks like just it's like I'm trying to fulfill these shoes and these shoes are just it's just my own concepts of my own idea or ideal of my own potential and 
yeah, I just, I think completely winning isn't necessarily the goal, the end goal that although I do have the outline of like the dream goal, winning for me is living it, like live, walking the walk, talking the talk, because I feel like a lot of my life, I talked a lot of talk and only recently, you know, I would say entering my thirties, it was like, all right, I can't keep talking this anymore. And I can't keep waiting on somebody else to walk it so I can walk with them. I'm just going to have to walk it. And that might involve me like putting my head down for a little bit and really being with those things and pushing forward and just focusing on these goals. And then in momentarily taking a glance up and looking around and realizing, oh, I'm not alone. There are others around me. And those are my people that I want to be with. So for me, winning is like, I had this epiphany the other day. I was like, I'm going to work the hardest I've ever worked in my entire life for the rest of my life. But it's not like that's, it's the most beautiful realization ever. It's like, oh, that's wonderful. Because every action, every ounce of work is going towards this dream. So it's not going to even feel like a negative concept of work. It's actually just like, I'm grateful for this work. Mm Mm-hmm. So let's take a moment to celebrate some of your biggest wins on your past, some accomplishments you are most proud of. What are, what are they? What are some things you are most proud of accomplishment on your path? And what are some wins that you'd like to celebrate? Well, I'm, I just built a home for myself, which it's a tiny home. It's only 260 square feet, but I, I'm not a woodworker. I'm not a builder. I'm not a, I don't do these kind of things really. And I had a lot of fear around the project in general and a lot of uh, misconceptions about how fast it was going to be done. And so I'm just out in the woods, just converting the shed into a home. And, you know, um, I pretty much am done. Like I'm at the stage where I am starting to decorate, to put my art on the walls and like create this space. And I'm acknowledging it's all coming through at once. It's like, man, this is, I thought this was going to be done in a couple of months. Like, no, you're creating a home. You're creating a workspace. You're creating a creative environment that like represents who you are. And then having to surrender to that process and slow down and deal with like the struggles of not knowing what I'm doing and having to ask for help. And finally to be at this place where I'm like, I'm creating this space. I never thought I would be here. And in this really cool way, like healing a, a deep part of my inner child that like, you know, I may have built a home for myself. But I literally am just like building my dream fort in the woods. And like my little, the little boy inside of me is just like loving it. I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> celebrating that. So that's been a huge win for me uh, recently is wrapping up this project. So how did that come to be? How did that house in the woods come to be? man uh I wrote it down on a dream board I had waited years to even do a dream board because I was actually a kind of nerd I knew I know my ability to manifest and I knew that once I put it in writing I'd have to live up to like filling the shoes of of what that really what that really was and um so I'd say a little over a year ago, I finally put it in writing and I put it on this on this board and I had this, this dream 
sustainable retreat center project concept and I had multiple locations that I wanted them to be eventually and the first one is Colorado and here I am in Colorado. Um, I feel really fortunate to have um, a financial benefactor that has stepped into our medicine community. He has received such healing in our work that he's dedicated his life and his um, privilege, you know, his monetary privilege to, to helping spread this, this medicine, help spreading this work, help spreading this knowledge. And he sold his ranch in Texas to buy this 50 acres in Colorado. And uh, he, we have the same birthday. We're several years apart. Um, he's an older gentleman in his fifties, but he has hugest heart. You know, like I've just, I've seen this man's heart so many times that, um, yeah, he's such a blessing. And, uh, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him, to be honest with you. He has invested, he believes in me and he believes in everyone on this land and he's invested in me. And I put on all the, all the work and I'm dedicating myself to this land and all these upcoming permaculture projects that I'm about to get started on. So like I'm putting my heart and soul into this land and it's complete, there's complete reciprocity there and it's acknowledged. And I, that's honestly, I feel like that's really hard to find in this world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned medicine ceremonies and I know that's a big win in your life as well is facilitating ceremonies of different sorts. So do you want to maybe get into that a bit uh, for those that are not familiar with medicines and like, what does, does that mean? Plant medicine? What is a mushroom therapy session? Like, yeah, you that's, I know that's something that you're really um, passionate about. Let's kind of give me an update on that. Yeah. So the, when I was younger, I, I experimented with a lot of psychedelics. I had a history of schizophrenia in my family. And I, at 24, actually, um, actually poisoned myself with a plant, had a schizophrenic snap, um, really rough time. Took a year of my life to come back to sanity. In that journey, about five years into that journey, uh, I discovered a plant called ayahuasca and it was a healing plant medicine. And I started working with that plant um, for my own, you know, personal exploration and healing journey. And that started to evolve over time into meeting people that were hosting ceremonies and then doing it so often that I just naturally fell into a place of a helper where I am just helping, trying to hold space, trying to be a pillar in the room, um, you know, cook food, clean vomit buckets, um, walk anybody to the bathroom, those kinds of things just kind of, you know, be of service um and that just evolved over time to uh taking tours to peru taking larger groups of people into the jungle to experience this medicine in the deeper more traditional lineages and like to connect with the jungle and the medicine at its root and um in my own journey with the plant medicine um my first time to Peru, I had really big wake up call and a really deep conversation with this medicine and, and a near death experience as well. And basically came to the realization that I needed to take a break from it. And, um, and I was taking on a lot of energy and just realizing like stepping back into my own natural medicine and not relying on this, on this plant. And, almost took about a couple years off and then 
felt called to sit again with it. And throughout, you know, I've done a lot of yoga trainings. I started tapping into Reiki and all these things just started to fall into place because I applied all that stuff to my ceremonies and, and to my, to that space, to holding space, to, to moving energy um, in the room. And eventually the medicine, you know, told me that, you know, you are your own medicine, Jimmy, and you need to find what that is and you need to be that in the world. And if I am to work with medicine, if I'm to facilitate, then my medicine, my, my most, uh, let's say, uh, my most comfortable ally at this moment is mushrooms. And with that guidance, I eventually did my own my own experiment with my own self and my own work with depression. I've been reading a lot about microdosing and I just kind of worked with the mushrooms for a little bit on my own. And then I, after a few years of that, I kind of took that experience and started sharing that experience. Once that Michael Pollan book, uh, How to Change Your Mind came out, I was having these conversations with people in their seventies and eighties. And like, it was just, people were coming to me and they wanted to know. And I had experience to share that eventually led to me um, trying to hold a couple small ceremonies. And then eventually to me realizing that I feel called to doing, I feel called to what I call a mushroom therapy session where I sit with an individual, we talk, we discuss, uh, you know, over the phone and in person, kind of get into what, what they're dealing with, what they are aiming at. If it's anxiety, if it's depression, if it's uh, PTSD, there's some sort of trauma there, whatever their goal is that they're looking at, because they're already coming to, the, to you with something. Some of them are trying to get off meds. Some of them are being told they need to be on meds, but they want to find an alternative. Um, so we kind of delve into that. And it's honestly the mushrooms are doing all the work. I'm just in the room. They have an eye pillow on, there's soft music, and it could go anywhere from four to 10 hours. And it's just them and the medicine. You know, I, I ask source, I'm guided on their dose. I give them that dose. I make a nice little chocolate. So it, some strong cacao. So that opens the heart as well. It hits the bloodstream fast and they just go in. And it's very different than recreationally experiencing psilocybin. It's it's such so internal. You have no distractions. There's nothing but you and you. So you get to go into you and you get to really do some deep work in that. And then I will get them on a three-month microdose regimen in conjunction with other medicinal mushrooms, very similar to the Paul statements, you know, niacin, lion's mane, psilocybin. I suggest adding all the goodies, turkey tail, chaga, reishi, um, cordyceps, get them all in there. They all work together. They're great. But after that three month microdose, they kind of have that time to do some work. They've had their big experience. They've kind of like washed the slate clean of, of what they thought, you know, was all up here and jumbled. And then they have this microdose to kind of guide them out of that. Because basically I find when you're on the microdose, it's very subtle, but you do have this slightened height heightened perception of your mind state. So you're more conscious of where your mind is going in the idle times. Like you're, and that's what I noticed immediately when I tried it. I was like, oh my, I'm sitting here beating myself up in my head. I'm thinking the most negative thoughts. I'm thinking, you know, paranoia, all, all everybody's out to just realizing like, oh my God, 
I, people think I'm like this loving, positive person that I try to be, but when I'm alone with myself and I'm just like working on the torch, doing idle, you know, idling tasks and I'm hearing what my mind is doing to me. And I'm like, no wonder I get into these negative states. So consciously, as soon as I would catch those thoughts, I would just think of the opposite of that thought, which is clearly going to be positive, clearly going to be, you know, what you want to be thinking until you kind of drowned out that negative thought with a positive thought. And you go back into your cycle and then all of a sudden you catch another negative and you just keep doing that and you are quicker to catch it when you're on the microdose. And what you're doing at that time is you're just retraining your mind, those brain synapse receptors, your thought patterns that you've already developed over time. You're just changing them. You're altering them to, to ideally fit the mindset that you prefer to have. And so three months of that, you get some solid practice that you're feeling really good. And then you're cold turkey, just you and you no help from the mushrooms, but all, everything you gain from the experience and from the microdose, and you get to apply that to real life. And I'll be honest with you, at first it's hard. You, you get caught in those loops again. And also, instead of it being a few seconds that you catch that loop, it might be 30 minutes, it might be an hour. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I'm there again. And it's like, okay, I just do what I practice. I, re, I reiterate the positive version of that thought until it's gone. And it's Honestly, it's so simple, but it works. And I personally, I haven't had, I haven't had a ton of climates. I'd play, I'd say I'd have less than two dozen clients in the past three years of experimenting with this. And I haven't had a single return client. And for me, that's what it's about. I don't want these people to rely on this stuff. I want them yeah. to do their work and, mm -hmm. and create their own tools and create, create their own experiment with themselves you know and and um i'm there in the interim and anytime for you know integration counseling or anything they want to talk about but it's really them and i really want to i really want to stress that in the session and in the keeping up with them they're like hey i didn't do anything for you you you're doing this the mushrooms helped but like you got this you know just keep reiterating that that knowing that like you you were made for this. You can do this on your own. You used, you know, you used a plant to help assist you, but you are, you are the power that, that is, is creating this experience. And it's time for you to take that back, that freedom back. Mm -hmm. So do you, and I think that's so important um, to take away what you learned from your medicine, whether that be ayahuasca or psilocybin mushrooms or whatever other medicine, medicine it is, and apply those learnings, apply those teachings in your life, rather than just continuously going back, like um, to seek more answers when you're not even implementing the answers um, or the truths that you've learned on your first experience, you know? And I think that's really great that you're encouraging people to implement those learnings into their life and not just coming back, coming back, coming back. Cause you, I do see that in the medicine space about people relying on medicines, but everything you need is already within. And hopefully that experience awaken that awareness and then now go do it. Now go, not even go do it, be it. That's a huge, I feel super fortunate to have met the teachers that I have along the way to have delved into my whole yoga path as well and to have experienced these heightened states prior to medicine and had that that reminder reiterated to me that like knowing like hey yeah 
you're, you're doing this thing. I like to call them cheats. You know, you're kind of using a cheat a little bit to kind of break through, but you don't need it. You know, you don't need it. You know, you've been here. You know, you've been to even heightened states or equally as psychedelic or equally as moving just in your breath. And don't ever forget that because, yeah, like I'm so grateful for these plants. I'm so grateful for Mother Earth. Like, clearly, the uprising of this medicine is clearly the Earth's like final cry for help for us to wake up as a species. Um, but at the same time, like we, in in experiencing that and in receiving those those messages and those downloads and that healing, so that we can grow. It's just to grow to like what our natural potential already was. It's what we've already drifted so far away from. Like what we are, we're just trying to get back to that. And uh, I think if we can, then we have a chance. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, are our medicine right for every everyone? Is is there people that um, that it's not really suitable for? And are there alternative ways to? Um, tap into these learnings, these truths. And I think you mentioned a few like breath work. So pranayama, yoga. So let's talk about some other ways people can access these states. And yeah, is, is our plant medicines right for everyone? I would say no. And honestly, I don't encourage plant medicines. Like when I'm, when people come to me with uh, interest and an intrigue in this stuff, I don't try to sell it. In fact, I try to do the opposite. I try to like really stress this, the seriousness that you're, you know, the reverence and the respect that you want to have for these plants, it's not just about having an experience. This is about doing real work. You know, if you're coming to me because you're interested in ayahuasca and you're not, you know, you don't have cancer, you're not an alcoholic, you're not a heroin addict, you're not suffering from complete depression and then contemplating suicide. Like if you're not coming with something real, you're, you're wasting the plant's time and you may just uncover something that you weren't actually ready to uncover that you might not be prepared for. And then you have to integrate that into your life. That can be really hard on people. And this, this goes along with Kundalini yoga as well. Like you need to really understand what you're doing when you start to open yourself up and tap into these things and alternatives to plant medicine. I mean, even just breath, even learning about pranayama, um, holotropic breath, meditation stillness vipassana complete silence like i have had as deep an experience with just my breath as i have had an ayahuasca almost more powerful because i know that it was natural you know so like i i'm not encouraging my path to anyone i'm only basically sharing my experience and what has helped me and what has worked for me but I really trust in, in spirit and source to like guide me in those decisions to know like, oh, this person's not ready or, or um, they, they should probably try something else or knowing when you're not helping someone, when you're trying over and over and over and then you realize, man, I'm actually holding this person's hand and it's not helping them and it's time to, to let them go and do this on their own. Because like I said, this is it's a solo journey. We, we're not going to make it alone. We need each other, but in the end, it's a solo journey. So yeah, I stress to everyone to find your medicine. And I mean, outside of the breath work, outside of the yoga, any other movement, 
any other thing that can bring you into flow state. It could be snowboarding. It could be hacky sacking. It could be knitting a scarf, like anything that brings you back home into self. And you're in that subtle awareness. You're there with your body and your breath and your consciousness. That's a, uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's medicine. And uh, like we talked about earlier, like trying to spread that inspiration or trying to be that mission in life and every opportunity the same thing goes with medicine and like a sacred space and a, and a, a sense of well-being and awareness. That's every opportunity. It could be mm. on the toilet or it could be in church. It should be always, you know, that should be a, a goal. In the infinite now. So you've mentioned teachers and allies and helpers on your path that have taught you a lot that you know uh, or who exemplified um, and inspired, exemplified like truth and um, inspired you um, to inspire others. So let's take a moment to acknowledge some of these helpers. Who were they and what were your main takeaways that you learned from them that you are implementing in your life? Well, one of my biggest ones, um, anybody that knows me knows because he's still a dear brother and he's living on this property with me. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, I had that experience when I was 24. I was in a really rough state. And had I stayed in the city, you know, the doctors, everyone had basically written me off as crazy, wanted to give me all this medicine and um, kind of, I would have just kind of turned into a zombie. But this man that I had just met, hardly known, had a home in Colorado and it was kind of a communal type living. I think there was about nine people out there at the time, but he had a wife and two young daughters. And I was a very strong, very crazy stranger. And he just saw something in me and knew I needed help. And he allowed me to move into that home. And that gave me the space to not have a bunch of people in my face, to not have a bunch of meds shoved down my throat, to just be free, to just be. And that was how I came back. Like people that go through what I went through, those are the people you see walking down the street, you know, mumbling to themselves. They don't come back from where I went. And I did. I got to. That was a gift. I have to do something with that. I have to, I have to give back. I like, I got a second chance at life. And, uh, and this person was a, I mean, him allowing me to do that, him being the type of friend and the type of person that he is. Um, and everything he showed me, which was way before plant medicine, you know, him, he could just look you in the eye and the world would melt away. Things would start, he would start shape shifting. The energy was so immense that you could barely, all you could do is focus on breathing. And it's just, he was just trying to show me and explain to me, like, this is us. This is the power of human. This is the energy that we actually are. And I'm not doing this to you. This is just you and I connecting on an energetic level, something that we've lost as humans and uh, lost so much that when we try to tap back into it, the immensity is almost too much for our bodies to handle. <sighs> that person has changed my life and he's still a dear brother. And we've even had, you know, somewhat of a, a tiff and had to take some time apart. And like, there's not, I would, there's not many people you get in your life, you know, like this is just a, my ride or die. This is a solid person. I can count on them. Not 
for more than anything other than I've observed them, I've observed their heart, I've observed how they carry themselves in the world, and I've never seen anybody who will, he won't sacrifice himself for anything. And when I say that, I mean, he won't sacrifice his well-being, his state of love and of presence, and he won't sacrifice that. He's not going to sell himself out for anything or anyone and he's always going to be honest completely honest no matter how brutal that honesty is and he's a cantankerous son of a bitch and i love that about him and uh i'd say the biggest lesson that i have taken from him has been patience because i've known him for almost 11 years now and this is who he is he he takes people in he he helps people he's always there for everybody who's ever needed him and I've watched so many people take advantage of that shit on him, you know, curse him out, like tell him what, and, and he's never retaliated. He's never, he's never bent himself to fit anyone's, anyone's like structured concept of what they needed him to be. He just was, and some people could handle it, some people couldn't, but they always came back and he always was there. The door was never closed with him and, and watching the way he moves in the world like that, I aspire to be the same. And I know sometimes you have to just like cut people off. You, you have to close a door sometimes and know when it's time to let someone do their own healing. And, uh, it may feel harsh at the time, but you know that that love is never gone and it's right there. And uh, it's just, it's, I don't know. It's such a beautiful experience. And uh, I don't know if I would have ever tapped into any of that had I not met this man. And I think honestly, like I was screaming for it. I was dying for it. I was asking the universe for a teacher, for guidance, for for so long i was just mm -hmm. seeking, i was going down every path every door pushing it to the limit and uh yeah the universe so, responds. <laughs> mm -hmm. so let's hit a rewind button and let's like let's rewind it back to that origin story of that um that break that you had um we ha I had the honor of hearing about this me you and uh, our friend Todd, we had we we were doing an on it academy training. We went out for lunch, and I got to hear you guys both amazing stories. And you shared with me um, that that history of what happened and how how you bounced back from that. So, if you're comfortable, if you want to give us a bit of a backstory on that break and um, that you've referred to a few times. Yeah, you know, I was uh, I was 24 at the time. I was a very different person back then. I was uh, super depressed, but wasn't even really conscious of what depression was. I was super angry. Um, I was doing, a, I was coping with a lot of uh, cannabis and psychedelics and alcohol and overusing all of it and just poor relationships. I was uh, selling drugs at the time too. So I had all these friends, but no actual friends. And, uh, my, my family life, my everything was just falling apart. I was just, the weight of the world was coming down on me and I had no idea. And I was taught to not ask for help and I was taught to shove that all inside. So I was just like a walking time bomb and I fit 
the clinical um, critique of someone that has a paranoid schizophrenic snap, I fit all the boxes. I checked them all off like perfectly, but I didn't know any of that. And I was just walking down the street, walking to work. And this plant was, you know, ryegrass is growing in this wild field. I get off the bus and pass this field on the way to work. And so I was picking this ryegrass and chewing on it as I was walking to work over and over every day. I had no idea that it could have a parasite on it that contained ergot, which is LSD, but I'm just living my normal life. I had just gone on this epic journey to Colorado, had just met this man who I met him, we locked eyes and it was like, he just blasted my third eye open. I could see, I finally just like saw the path that I was on and I was so disappointed in myself. So it was like this initiation of some sort of shift, deep shift had to happen. And then I go back home and I eat this plant and I don't know that I'm tripping, but I'm starting to become incredibly telepathic. Like I can read people's minds and I'm starting to become even more sensitive to energy than normal, like feelings and emotions and being very hyper aware of where everybody else was. And then I'm communicating with squirrels and dragonflies and trees and this whole natural psychedelic Jesus trip starts to develop but I'm not on drugs as far as I know. So I'm going along with it. I'm like walking the streets with no shoes. I'm wandering into Aikido dojos and learning uh, Jedi martial arts from like a 60 year old woman. I'm going to work. I'm going to, to my martial arts training. Cause I was at that time I was trying to, I thought I wanted to be a cage fighter. I was very, dedicated to that I was about to have my first amateur fight and I'm like hitting these states of awareness in training where I was like Bruce Lee I could read everybody's mind and it was and I wasn't feeling pain and I was just like it was this crazy evolution was just happening and I was just going with it until about four or five days into it I stopped by my kettlebell coach's uh, little space and he said, when I walked in, I looked strange and that I bowed twice before getting on the mat. And he just walked up to me and he's like, are you okay? And I pretty much just fell out on the floor. I didn't, it was the first time somebody even asked me if I was okay. I wasn't okay. I hadn't been sleeping. I hadn't been eating or drinking water. I was tripping balls and I didn't know it. And that just, that just from there, it just spiral escalated. They took me to a hospital my biggest fear at that time was a hospital. I hate Western medicine. I hate hospitals. I break out of that hospital. I rip the IV out of my arm. I jump off the fucking helipad of that hospital and I hit the ground running. And I, I use all my Aikido training that I just got the day before to break out of the hospital and to hit the ground without hurting my, like all this crazy shit's happening. I end up in another hot, like from that hospital, they just take me to another hospital where they handcuff me to the bed and I try to escape from that one. And then I end up in the mental hospital where they start shoving drugs down my throat. And I, the trip just, it just keeps getting more rabbit hole, psychedelic. And all of this is going on. And I'm like, I'm in this mental hospital, but I'm like, I'm so thinking I'm Jesus. I'm still talking to squirrels. I'm still talking to the trees. I'm communicating and, and connecting on such a deep level with these so-called crazy people. We're like delving into their trauma where it was 
so powerful. And then I just like my buddy showed up and he was like, dude, you you are drawing a lot of unwanted attention to yourself. You need to act normal and get out of here. And uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. And he like grabbed me by the face and put my face in his face. And he was like, dude, you need to stop telling them what you see. You need to stop telling them what you feel. You need to stop telling them what you think. You need to act normal. And I just, it just clicked. And I was like, okay. And then acting normal, I was out of there in two days. They just let me go. And I, when I got out, my friends already had my entire house packed up. My truck was loaded and I fled to that house in the mountains and the psychedelic experience, the heavy trip of it, even the magic stuff that was still going on. I was like closing my eyes and drawing pictures with my non-dominant hand and then thinking I'm just scribbling and then eventually open my eyes to see an actual picture. And then that picture would happen like the next day or the day after that, like predicting the future, like the craziest things were happening that it was so hard to tell what was real and what wasn't. It was like, yeah, I, people are telling me I've lost my mind. I am tapped into this heightened sense of awareness. Crazy miracles are happening. I don't know what to believe. Six months into being there, I Google ergot, which is the only thing they found in my blood system and which made them decide that I just took too much acid. I typed it into Google and the first thing that pops up is the fucking ryegrass. It talks about Salem witch trials and being dosed on LSA and all this stuff. And I'm like, I was livid, you know, like a room of doctors telling me like, they're not buying this plant story. They're literally telling me you're, you're paranoid schizophrenic. You have delusions of grandeur. You have ADHD. You are manic depressed, you know, just checking me off into these boxes, not buying my plant story. Like my life was in their hands and they just, we're going to willing to throw it away. But six months later, all I had to do was type the only thing in my blood system into Google. And it was all right there in front of my face. And so it's at this point, still to this day, I don't know if I had a schizophrenic snap. I don't know if it was all the plant. I don't know if I had already snapped and the plant helped me guide me through it. I don't know if the plant pushed me over the edge. I don't still don't know to this day what happened. I still to this day, 10 years later feel like I'm integrating that plant journey I have since then you know in the past six years started to delve into my own practice with plants it was just like it's it's been this crazy natural evolution but they turned my life around that experience I mean I was angry I was violent I was I was lit I was about to either overdose go to prison or kill myself and that, that's a completely different person than, uh, than I am today. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you, that transformation happened when you returned to that land in Colorado. That was one method, connecting with your na- nature and with your mentor, but also yoga. You brought yoga into your life and yoga has was been a tr- really transformative tool. So can you talk about how, what role yoga played in this, in this story? So in, uh, that first nine months, I was I was just in that place, and I finally was like, I was out of money, and it was hard being out in the woods and alone. You really had to face your shit, and honestly, even after coming back to like reality, I still had a lot of shit to face, and I was still running a little bit. So I went back to the city. I went back to Austin because I had ran out of money was my excuse that I gave myself, and 
yeah, I ended up uh, working there for about six months only to come right back to Colorado. And I just found myself not fulfilled physically. You know, I've been training so hard fighting and stuff, but I had had this whole experience and this uh, realization that I didn't need to destroy my body as much I was like really hard on my body and I had dabbled in yoga when I was training back in the day it was like a little tool I was using on the side to help with flexibility and I walked past this yoga studio they had a 30-day challenge for 30 bucks and I was like I'm just going to give it a shot so I did like 34 classes in 30 days you know I did several two-day classes and just went so deep into it from this little knowledge that I had to just a class every day with these teachers at this place in Colorado and they were they weren't strict but they were serious and they weren't buying into my ego these women were very like sassy with me and, and serious with me and I liked it and after that 30 days I got a membership and they were doing a teacher training and I decided I didn't want to be a teacher I just wanted to know if I was alone on top of a mountain somewhere I know how to do yoga like properly and know how to give myself a fully balanced class and that was my mission going in and it ended up being a two-week intensive so it was 14 days in a row 14 hours a day straight yoga I just kind of had a falling out with a Craigslist roommate so I was living on a friend's floor at the time and out of nowhere I decided to just eat carrots and celery and drink coconut water for that entire two weeks just went vegetarian out of nowhere and that two weeks was one of the most intense most healing most powerful experiences of my life and really tapped into a lot of my my trauma around uh being able to love myself being able to receive love and a huge awakening to the acknowledgement of the power of feminine and what that power is and capable of because I had two female teachers and just got to see what like if 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 men were to step into their true masculinity to provide the actual safe container that the feminine needs to step into its true divinity then they could truly move mountains like not in some sort of silly sense like truly that's the power of feminine and I and I got to see that and I think because a lot of my childhood trauma and my struggles with my mother, I hadn't, I hadn't had a lot of respect for the feminine prior to that experience. And I think honestly, because I became a teacher right afterwards, unexpectedly, I think I really needed to tap into that before I was responsible for a room full of women, you know? So that was, I think it was perfect um, and in alignment. And I love teaching now, like I'm not teaching at the moment and I've taken breaks soon as I teach that first class again it's like I'm right there it's it's part of me yoga it comes so naturally I love it and uh ceremony private sessions yoga a fitness class all of it that container that I was taught and shown how to like be a part of and to hold and to tap into is is one of my favorite spaces one of my most healing places where I get I get the most out of you know teaching and being there for others and holding space that's where I get my juice so it's uh it's been <laughs> it's been such a life-changing practice and it's uh it comes and it goes but it's constantly evolving and uh I'm so grateful that I found it mm -hmm. 
And you still practice yoga daily or regularly on your own? I wouldn't say every day. Um, I'd say probably right now about three times a week, but now that I'm just no, no studio to go to. Yeah. Um, but the weather's getting nicer. We, we just got the indoor gym built on the property. Like it's, we've been doing fitness every day and Justin's been offering that my, one of my roommates and I'm, it's about time for me to go ahead and throw in a yoga class right before that or right after that to just make it a daily regular. Mm-hmm, right on. So what are some other self-care techniques and um, routines that are part of your regular state of being now? Um, there's the exercise, there's the yoga. Um, you mentioned um, mushrooms, which I want to talk about more. Um, we get into like not psilocybin mushrooms, but like lion's tail, chaga, all those. So I definitely want to get into that. But what are some other um, self care techniques and habits that are essential to you these days? Well, one, I would say self care. It's been hard lately because of, of COVID, but massage. I, I, wear, I, I put this body through a lot, even in just like my little simple day-to-day tasks, I don't realize the kind of stress. So when I can give my time, myself the time to receive nurturing, healing touch, it goes a really long way um, for me. And then in conjunction with that, I love the sauna and I love the cold plunge and I love um, all the new like things like the compression suits like all the things you can do to really take care and nurture this body especially if you want to push it because for me the other end of that self-care is doing those things that I love like snowboarding and mountain biking and surfing and backpacking and traveling and being able to use this body fully requires like maintenance and love and self-care you know sitting down with the massage gun rolling out on the foam roller, getting on that lacrosse ball, like taking, taking that, that time for yourself, you know, to really love on you. Um, it goes a long way. Mm-hmm. So you know, let's, let's get into the mushrooms because I've been called lately um, to use them. Um, and I'm talking about um, lion's mane. Mm-hmm. Um, I use that for cognition. Um, I was talking to you before I started a new position and, um, it, it just helps me work better, um, at my tasks. So lion's mane, and then also cordyceps M I've been taking before wow. jujitsu. And like, I don't know, I, I feel them both like very beneficial. I've been looking into, like I get it from a company called real mushrooms, um, in Canada. I heard it's a good company to source mushrooms from. And they, so they sell these supplements and it's something natural as well. So I also like that element of it. And so I've been thinking about um, incorporating other mushrooms. I also like the um, four somatic um, balance blend that has, that has um, reishi in there, I think, um, and chaga. So let's talk about these mushrooms and just like for people that don't know what they are. So let's talk about chaga, um, you mentioned a few a, a few others um yeah turkey tail yeah turkey uh, reishi mm-hmm. like these are you know uh, paul stamens is if you don't know anything about mushrooms get on some paul stamens stuff he is the world's mushroom advocate he's trying to save the world with mushrooms and i've learned most of what i know through him and then other mycologists uh daniel reyes out of austin texas who's out in mexico right now learning how to clean up oil spills with mushrooms um, you know, 
people are discovering all the abilities of mushrooms and we've hardly tapped into the surface of the amount of mushrooms there even are out there. And uh, mushrooms in general are adaptogens. So they literally go into a human system, every system being different, and they just look around and they're like, okay, what's not in homeostasis here? What is not perfect here? What could use some help? And they just go to that. They're like little worker bees inside of your body, helping with your blood flow, with your circulation, with your uh, mental awareness. Like uh, I personally, they all have, most of them all have very similar benefits. And then some of them have like specific different benefits. I like to take them all in conjunction. There's a company out of New York called Cat Skills and they make tinctures. There are some new companies on the market. I'm forgetting their name right now that uh, a lot of the powdered mushrooms are not mushroom fruit body. They're actually just inoculated substrate. So they're the, whatever the mushroom is feeding off of with mycelium um, in it. Therefore, it's not that it's bad. You're just not getting as much um, of the mushroom of what you actually need in it. It's, ha it's mm. like half and half. It's somewhat cut, if you will. The tinctures are mostly coming from, are, are all coming from pure fruit body. So that's what I'm trying to get like the best of the best. So I've been sticking with tinctures, but I've heard of a couple companies coming out that do fruit body powders and uh, specifically, you know, um, they're like, we're no, no substrate. So if you can try to get tinctures, if you can't try to get something that is not inoculated substrate, try to get actual fruit body. Um, my favorite mixture is turkey tail, chaga, reishi, lion's mane, cordyceps. And those also work really well in conjunction with a microdose. If you are on the microdose, most specifically lion's mane and psilocybin with a little niacin on top as a, uh, I forget the word for it, but something that helps move it through the body quicker okay. or more ease through the blood system. That's what the niacin's for. But the conjunction of the psilocybin and the lion's mane, um, that's when you're working on those, ch shifting those thought processes, trying to get out of that anxiety mind or that uh, victim mind or that trauma mind, whatever you're working on, the conjunction of those, they will kill off your brain synapse receptors and allow you to rebuild brand new ones. So you can actually change the mapping of your mind um, and that's why the, that niacin, lion's mane, psilocybin uh, mixture is the most popular uh, microdose mixture for, mm -hmm. for beginners if you're, just, if you're just getting into it. Yeah, and if people want to learn more, um, Fantastic Fungi is a really great documentary to start off with. Um, it, is, so, it was so great. It was such a great documentary. <laughs> and... Um, Paul Stamets, like you said, or was the guy in New Mexico or from New, New Daniel, Mexico? Daniel Reyes. He's, he was out of Austin. He had a, a Myco Alliance out of Austin, which is a volunteer-based um, nonprofit. They're doing micro remediation. So they're, clear, they're cleaning land. He got a, a, a grant for a landfill. He's now filling all the soil around it and soil beds with mycelium and inoculating that entire area because there's a spring that runs into the landfill. So he's trying to prove to them that he can basically turn this landfill into 
a flourishing environment and clean the water that's passing through it before it hits the Perdinalis River. I've only been watching that project for the past three years. And even in that amount of time, this landfill is turning into like an evergreen. It is, it is amazing. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. So let's get, let's like talk about something we talked about right at the start of this conversation. And that's about leaning into fear. And from all the various guests I've talked to on this podcast, um, the more we lean into fear, the the easier it becomes. It's just like reps, right? The more we step into our fears, it's things become less fearful. Um, often on a hero's journey, heroes get stuck on that path at that crossroads, that crossroads of should and that crossroad of must. And they stay stuck on the path of should because of fear um, rather than that path of must, which is what your, your inner knowing, your inner heart, is telling you what advice would you give a hero stuck on that path whether that be to quit their job or to ask out that girl or um whatever anything anything um whatever that may be what would be and it could be it could be anything it, whether it doesn't have to be so big you don't have to like leave a relationship or um move to a different country we could get little microdoses of stepping into fear that make those big steps a lot easier so what would you advise a hero on that path um, that they're feeling a calling they're feeling their heart tugged in a direction but those shoulds keep them in place whether that be yeah like i should do this because i got a degree in this and or I should, um, because of this, all these shoulds that society, that teachers, that parents have instilled in their psyche. What advice would you give to that hero stuck on that path of should and must, paralyzed by fear? I would say honesty with yourself, like truly being honest with yourself. Because if you're at that should and must stage and you're sitting there stuck on all the, all the limitations... Look at, look at those limitations. Look at those fears. Honestly, like sit down and write it out if you have to. Like, what is the worst? The worst outcome. You feel called to this. You feel this, but you're not doing it because of all these reasons. What is the worst? Be honest with yourself. Worst that could happen. And then look at yourself in the mirror and say, can you, can you live the rest of your life knowing that this was the worst that could happen? And you were too afraid to go through that to, to get to this goal. Like what's, what outweighs the other? Is your dream worth it? Like I, for me personally, I got to that moment where I was, because I was in a plant medicine ceremony, I w it was very vivid. And I was with my deepest, darkest fears, the things that were holding me back from stepping forward and almost having to live them and feel them and be in, be in the fear so deep and deep amidst all that fear was like the knowing that deep pull that deep calling that heart calling of what i have always felt and always known and that overpowered that trumped it was like even if i have to go through all of that it is worth this mm -hmm. so if you can be honest with yourself and, and sit down and get to the nitty-gritty of of it 
I highly doubt that that will outweigh the other. I feel like most people will come to that realization of like, oh, my dream is more like outweighs the worst possible outcome. Mm -hmm. And honestly, even if you ended up in the worst possible outcome, like you went for it. The knowing of that is just so satisfying. Like no, there's so many people that just don't even take that first step to go for it. Even if you go for it and fail, you at least went for it. You overcame that huge hurdle. You have no idea. You may think you failed and all of a sudden that newfound whatever that it took for you to fight, go overcome that hurdle. Now you're just like everything else is so easy and then you flow into what you're actually supposed to do like you know we can all think and try but i personally believe that we do have a path and we have to align with it we have to come into an alignment with it for it to manifest naturally because mm -hmm. if your dream isn't in alignment with your heart's path you're going to keep hitting those walls you're going to keep finding that friction mm -hmm. no i agree and whatever happens on that path when you push past that fear and you go for that must, um, it's all happening for you. And maybe by going for this must, that, that never manifests, but all these other doors open that otherwise would not have been there. Um, so, it's, so it's all happening for you. Okay, so we've talked about love. You, I remember, you talked about love um, in, this in this conversation a few times. And I would like to hear from you what is that from your learnings from your teaching from your experience on this plane what does love mean to you well um for those people that don't know me you know like my facebook name is love my my glass name is love uh a lot of people know me as love and when I started calling myself that, and when I started um, changing all those names and, and aliases to that, there was intention behind it. You know, I was guided, like I was in a meditation and I was given this name, but it also, you know, my grandfather on my dad's side, um, who was like the biggest powerful patriarch um, representation that I always like idolized and looked up to, he never said the word love. I never in his entire life did I ever hear him say the word love, not even to my grandmother. And I know it really affected my father. I know still to this day, like that affected him. And um, in the real, like in really honoring like what love is, which I still don't think I know. I think my mission here is, is to explore and try to figure that out. But to call yourself love, to give yourself that kind of uh, level of uh, greatness to try to live up to on a daily basis, to constantly check in, am I being love right now? Like for me, that felt like, oh, what a beautiful way to like keep myself in check and to remind myself of what I'm trying to be here. And then when you say the word love, I feel like most people immediately think of like boy and girl, marriage love relationship that kind of stuff and me on my journey you know i've seen so many different types of love in that way my mom was married six times like 
Uh, my dad had multiple partners. Um, I've been through multiple relationships and I've experienced monogamous relationships. I've experienced uh, open relationships. I've experienced unhealthy versions of, of both and healthy versions of both. And from what I've learned and from what I've experienced, because I'm trying to be love on a daily basis, everywhere I go, I just want to like, I want to be a source of vibration that is heightened. And I don't think it's heightened like I'm vibing higher than you. I think it's like, it, that's its natural state. Like we've kind of drifted from that high vibrational frequency being that we have that we came into this planet as so i'm just trying to emanate that vibration and that could it doesn't matter if i'm having a conversation with someone if i'm doing a reiki session i'm, I'm it's dead silent if i'm just in a room with someone and it's a ceremony and i'm like tapping into them from across the room it's it's a state of being and it's not necessarily about doing anything other than being that state. And love is so powerful. If we put a word to it, love, that state, that vibration is so powerful that it trumps all. Like it, even, you know, like, man, give me anybody. Give me the most closed off person you've ever known. And let me give them a hug. I promise they'll be like, what the fuck was that? And I'm not doing anything. I can't take credit for you. That that is love. And that's mm -hmm. what I'm trying to be. As well, like consistent. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Okay. Um we're nearing the end of my questions here. Um, so I like to close with these final three questions. And we got to that point. And um, the first one's a big one. And that is in all the highs and lows that is life that you've experienced through all the highs, through all the lows um, on this path, on your journey, what has been your greatest life lesson that you've learned that you're feeling called to share at this moment? Uh, 
Beautiful. And as you answer that question, something happened with the audio and it's kind of like glitchy. I could hear everything you say, but you really had to listen to that. And your voice became like distorted. So I don't know if there's a connection on your, on your audio thing, but something happened with the audio, but I could, I, I could hear all that you said about intuition and that's beautiful. And we, I, we really had to listen though. And your voice like modulated. So I don't know if you want to do a test. Can you just say something and we'll see if, yeah, no, there's, there's something happened. I can still hear you, but um, I don't know what changed, but we're after the answer to that question, um, it changed. So I don't know, maybe just talk louder, but something, something happened and it's, it, but we're, we're nearing the end. I think, Chest test now. How is it? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. There's still something there, but I can hear you fine. Um, so, in three words, in three words, Jimmy, how would you describe the experience you were having on this earth? Thank you for sharing those. Those are beautiful. That brings me to my final question. I'm going to use some magic. I believe we are all magicians. We have magic powers within us all that we could use to transform realities, um, starting with our own. Um, I'm going to transport us to the future. I'm going to fast forward us in time. And we're alongside an 85-year-old Jimmy Bennett. Where are you? Who are you surrounded by and what is the legacy that you've left in your time in this now? As you were saying that, um, I saw myself sitting on a mountain that I've never been to before. It feels like it was in Hawaii. Um, and I was sitting up with an old man. He had long hair. And I assume it was my buddy, Chris. just laughing. The wind's blowing in our hair. And we just can't stop laughing. And that's when you spoke those words. That's that's the vision that came from the Mm-hmm. So I want you to stay with this 85-year-old Jimmy. Um, and your audio is still cutting out a bit. It, it popped back in for a second. I can hear you very clear, but I can still hear you. Um, I want you to stay with this 85-year-old. Maybe close your eyes and picture yourself sitting in this mountain in Hawaii, um, feeling the wind in your air, the smell. That spirit of Chris or maybe a like being alongside you, or maybe there's more Chris-like beings alongside you. And really feel what it is to be this 85-year-old Jimmy, to embody this 85-year-old Jimmy. And I'm not going to leave us there. I'm not going to leave us in the future because you're needed here now. And I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to bring you back to this moment in 2021, right here where you are now. And that 85-year-old, he sends you a message. What does he whisper to you? You knew all along. 
<laughs> beautiful that was loud and clear that like you knew all along that came out loud and clear in my audio thank you so much jimmy it's been an honor it's been a pleasure chatting with you and catching up i miss you i miss and you dude i love you so much i love you too and i'm sure our paths will cross soon enough for those listening that are wanting to connect with you more where can they find you uh, I post my art and a little bit about my life on Instagram at uh, xxloveglassxx. And then on Facebook, I'm uh, Love Universal, S-O-U-L. And um, I'm working on my website right now and uh, trying to get some more consistent products out there. But uh, I offer all different types of medicine tools and jewelry and talismans and um I do, I do Reiki sessions. I do private mushroom therapy sessions. And um, hopefully we'll be bringing a lot of plant education here in the future with the permaculture. Um, if you want to know what's going on with our community and projects, Facebook, Montaña Sagrada, that's Sacred Mountain of Colorado. Um, we do a lot of volunteer projects right now. We're still building, building up what we're creating and um we actually have a work party may 13th through 16th so if you want to come get your hands dirty and get back to the land put some energy into what we're trying to build reach out mm -hmm. right on so to close every episode we bring our fists together for a digital fist bump <laughs> the winner circle is a choice that we could all make we all have a spot at this table if we wish uh -oh. <laughs> uh -oh. Thank you, brother. Until our paths cross again, signing off of this conversation. Much love.